This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Get involved with the show. Email radio at homestyle.net or call us on 0208 1234 Homestyle Radio. Voices for Palace Watch. Faces for Crime Watch. Hello and thank you for... Oh God, now that was terrible. One minute. I was trying to sound like you for a minute there, Chris. Um, can I just say, Mikey, make sure you keep all of the outtakes and there's going to be lots. Um, oh, yeah. f- flip's sake. Right. <laughs> there's not going to be many, though. I'm sorry, hang on a second. I should actually be near my microphone. I'm just trying to... Bear me a sec. <laughs> there we go. I'm back now. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to this whole Radio Transfer special podcast. We're going to preview the January window and get all opinions from big figures in the Crystal Palace land. Talking of big figures, I'm joined by Chris Hambling. Hello, Chris. Unacceptable, Alex. To uh, This early on in our special podcast... Um, I just, I'm, I'm just gutted. What, what, what made you think that that was a good idea? It's <laughs> <laughs> a very good idea. Yeah, it's right. strange being in the co-presenter seat as opposed to the host. It is. You're going to have a lot of trouble controlling me. I might oh. swear. You know, I'm going to be. going to take the gel roll on. That's what I'm going to do today. Well. Let's see how it pans out, I guess. I want to kick off straight away by briefly reviewing the last window and the 25-man squad that was selected by Mr. Ian Holloway. Mm. When you think of players like Elliot Grandin and how he got on the squad, do you think Holloway started to panic by? I, I think uh, when you, you talk about it, it's not just Holloway panic by, and I think, I think we, you know, the, the whole club lined up a, a load of targets and we just went for everyone. Holloway did panic in, to, in a sense that he didn't know who was going to be available at what point in that window. And, it, and obviously it wasn't just the window, it was it was also leading up to it. You know, we really struggled to get people in. And, and Grandin and, and Morange are examples of, of, you know, they're classic panic buyers. They're people in positions that we wanted to fill that effectively have served absolutely no purpose. Obviously, Morange was sent back to France pretty quickly. Um, and, you know, he wasn't, wasn't treated the best, to be honest. Um, you know, no fault of his own, and, and to a point, not really the club's fault. It's just how things worked out. But uh, Grandin's been a huge, huge waste of time and money. And you think about someone like Stephen Dobby, who didn't even get in that twenty-five. You, you're telling me that, that Stephen Dobby's a worse player than Elliot Grandin. Dobby's played at this level, and I think he did very well actually in his first season with Swansea. So I, I was very surprised that, that he could get in above him. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, I mean, Dobby's an interesting one, isn't he? Because I always felt that the 
the reason we bought him is because we said we would. Um, you know, he, he was a huge figure in getting us up. You know, he, uh, you know, chipped in with a couple of really good goals, um, just important in important matches, and, and just contributed really well. And in pre-season, he looked really good. Uh, looked one of our best players. But I think ultimately, I think Holloway didn't see him as a Premier League player. But we'd just we'd gone too far down the process with the agreement we had with Brighton to pull out of the deal. And um, it's another one where. Maybe if we hadn't got certain players in, he, there would have been a, a space for him. But um, you know, it's a shame. But I think I think we would sort of go on to it in a sec. But like, I was an, to a point I can understand Dobby not being in the twenty-five. But no, he's of course he's not worse than Grandin. No. And one of our most influential players last year, Owen Garvin, who had thirty-two league games last season, didn't even get in the squad over someone like O'Keefe, who I, who I believe is better but played a lot less part last season. Is he Is he not good enough for the Premier League, even though you see people like Grandin getting a spot over him? Uh, Garvin's an, an interesting one, isn't he? We, we've talked about him a lot, and um, I think one of the things you've got to say about uh, Owen Garvin is that while he contributed well at championship level, he had his detractors then. Um, and at premiership level, you're just not going to know whether he's going to actually you know, sink or swim. Um, for me... I've always said I think he's just too slow, and I and I can understand him not being in the squad when you talk about central midfielders. But again, if you start looking at who was included in that squad, um, and I hate to say it, but obviously Paddy uh, is mm. one that was in there who was never going to play, and um, you know that that was a bad call. And 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 Grandin, and when you think that Owen Garvin's been out and not played any competitive football in that whole time, uh, you know, at the cost of those two, it, it just seems a really odd decision, and. Um, Maybe he's not good enough, but I don't think we're ever going to get to see. Pretty much certain he'll be uh, be out of the club fairly soon. Yeah, I think he's uh, I think he's well up for leaving. And Neil Alexander, I think this was one of the strangest decisions that I actually that I actually saw. I don't know if it's an FA ruling or not, but we put three goalkeepers in the squad, and and Holloway panicked because Price had picked up an injury, and he said, "Oh, I wanted a backup goalie for that game. I didn't want to put a youngster on the bench." But that went against every ethos that Holloway spoke about when taking over. But surely there, there's another slot that you can put mm. one of these players that had been left out in the squad that will be more influential this season than Neil Alexander as a third choice goalkeeper. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, definitely. And, and it did seem a strange signing. And uh, obviously, we didn't want to rely on Ross Fitzsimmons for whatever reason or any of the lads um, sort of backing him up in terms of, uh, of uh, Gregory and uh, King. But I, I don't really know. I don't, I think. I don't know what the rules are surrounding goalkeepers in terms of if, if you only pick two. And both get injured, you know. Obviously, you've got to dip into the youth, but I don't, you know, I don't know why we why we went down the route we did. It, it does, it does again. It smacks of, of, of panic, and it it shows you perhaps that the pressure that, that Holloway was under that we saw him, you know, eventually suffer with and, and leave the club for. I think it, it doesn't make a great deal of sense to to pick that third keeper purely on the basis that he has experience. I don't, you know, it's it's a hell of a like you say, it's an extra player slot. It's a hell of, hell of a uh, thing to, to pick someone in a 25 that you, you're never going to use. And, you know, we pick three. And you alluded to Paddy McCarthy. No minutes played for the first team this season. When you think about that we let Peter Ramage go out on loan, I'm not saying he's he's good enough for the Premier League, but he's got a chance of playing if you put him in that 25 over someone like Paddy. Yeah, and, and those early days were where we missed it, weren't they? Because... Um, 
that was where the sort of spirit broke down, and mm. Ramage was a big part of that, I think. Um, the thing for Paddy is, he's, and I, I'm a big fan of his, and I don't agree with this whole thing of people saying, even if he was fit, he's not good enough again, and all that sort of stuff. I think, again, he's been out so long. It's April uh, 2012 since he played for us. Um, and he's been out so long that people have forgotten the good things he does and remembered the bad things, I think. And you know, there's times that I think we really could have done with his leadership and ability in the centre of defence. But the bottom line is we picked him. He wasn't fit when he was picked in the 25, and he's still not fit now. So you could say with the benefit of hindsight what a stupid decision it was, but I don't even think you needed hindsight. I just think it was a foolish decision. And until you're sure when someone's been out that long, until you're absolutely sure that they're ready and they're back. And okay, he's had a few minutes in reserve games and seems to have disappeared again. But it was just too big a risk to take with a. You know, it's, a it's a Premiership season. You can't take risks like that. You really can't. And I think maybe it's harsh to blame Holloway for that one, but the mm. the doctors and, and the physios maybe should have looked at that and said, actually, Holloway, it's probably not the best idea to pick him. And then mm. Kevin Phillips, who he's barely had a, a kick of football. Um, did his his legend status win him a contract and a place in that twenty five man squad? He's better than he's better than Wilbraham, of course. But mm. is that what won him a contract? That what, that one penalty, that hundred and twenty million um, pound penalty. I actually think um, I think it's more. I think we wanted to, we all, we're always going to offer him something because of that. I think we're always going to say to him, look, there's a place here if you want it. You know, you might get a few minutes in the Premier League, that sort of a thing. But I think what he actually came down to is it's a, it's another one like Grandin, like Morange, where you know we were quite away into that window and we just hadn't really added anything up front. And people were, you, I'm sure you've, if you think about it, you remember the clamouring for defenders and strikers. You know, we, everyone was convinced we had enough in the midfield, but we didn't have enough up front and we didn't have enough at the back. And you know, Phillips was signed relatively early on in that window but I still consider him to be a signing in a position that we needed purely on the back the fact that he was available um, yeah he, he do, to a point he does deserve it for, for what he gave us last season and he was a fantastic signing and you know in a very short space of time like you say he's got a degree of legend status there but another one with, with hindsight that you just don't think it's the right decision Talking of Palace legends, we have Palace Radio Jerry Clark on the line. Good evening, Jerry. Uh, now, there was a very overused um, tone, I would say, but uh, it's very nice to be with you, Alex. <laughs> and just about the January window, talking about Tony Pulis, what sort of budget do you think he's going to have to play around with? Do you know, I don't think anybody has any idea on that, and certainly it's nothing that is ever going to be... Um, disclosed i mean the budget is going to be between the chairman and the manager but um, is, I, I really is, have no idea and we would all be guessing to be fair alex there was um there was a bit in the paper about pulis playing for points and getting money out of that do you you don't have any sort of idea on a number of any any sort of what sort of money he's going to have um, I, I really don't. I mean, um, I, I suspect a, a lot is going to depend on the type of player that's available. I mean, if um, if he really wants to get somebody in that's going to cost an awful lot of money, I have absolutely no doubt that the board will will come up with um, with the goods. But you know, you're asking a very difficult question. To be fair, and 
I think they will spend as much as they need to spend to get the right players in. I think it's as simple as that. I mean, preferably, they'd, they'd rather not spend any money at all, I suspect. But uh, to, to get quality players in, they will have to spend, unless, of course, they, uh, they use the loan market. But even the loan market does cost, because clubs expect money up front, uh, even if they're loaning, loaning you players. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to say, because I just simply don't think that you can, you can put a figure on it. Someone we haven't seen a lot of this season is Dwight Gale. Obviously, he came on and scored an amazing goal against Aston Villa. Is he the kind of player you think Tony Pulis might be looking to loan out to the lower league to see to see what he's really about? Uh, I think, personally, there is absolutely no chance of Dwight Gale being loaned out to anybody. Uh, I don't think that you spend £4.5 million plus on a player and then consider loaning him out. I mean, quite frankly, the players that we are looking for, I suspect, at the moment is a central defender and a striker. And we want to add to the strike force. We simply don't want to send players out on loan that we've already got here that are strikers. And obviously you alluded to, to us buying strikers there. Do you think there's any other positions that we could do with strengthening, in, in your opinion, as opposed to Tony Pulis's? Well, if, in my opinion, obviously we need to strengthen all over the park, but that's fairly unrealistic. I mean, you've only got a 25-man squad, and if you're going to get more than, say, two or three players in, and I think that is very unlikely, um, then you're going to need to let players go. And so you're really only going to be able to, to strengthen in a couple of positions realistically. And those, for me, would be the priorities. I mean, I know we've got a bit of a problem at the moment with injuries in midfield. But, you know, those players will come back. I mean, I understand that KG and, and uh, Stuart O'Keefe will be available very soon. Possibly KG will be, will be playing uh, in midweek. So, uh, you know, those would be the two positions that, uh, that I would want to see a strengthen. Jerry, we're joined by um, by Chris Hambling. I think he's got a quick question for you. I have indeed. Alex forgot to mention that I was here, so I thought I'd, uh, <laughs> thought I'd lurk in the background for a while. Just picking up on what you were talking earlier, uh, Jerry. Um, uh, Tony Pulis, I, I've really noticed that pretty much every press conference he has talked about those transfer targets. And whilst obviously uh, you don't have uh, any kind of idea of the budget like none of us do, but do, do you think perhaps that that's a sign just how much his focus is on bringing in that extra quality? Well, clearly he wants to bring extra extra players in. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he's made that point ever since he uh, took over as manager that this would be a question of trying to get through until the January transfer window. At that point, he would then be able to strengthen. And the fact that the club are not in the bottom three at the moment means that they've got a, a far greater chance of attracting better players. Because, yeah. you know, if you're, bottom of, if you're bottom of the table and you're cut adrift, players don't want to sign for you if they think you're going to be in the uh, championship next season. But, you know, the club have proved that they've every chance of staying up this season. And uh, because of that, they will be able to get better players, in my opinion. They'll be able to attract better players. Um, just to sort of follow up on that point, um, 
I noticed from some of your comments earlier on on, on the BBS, giving people a, a quick update at the press conference, uh, Pulis mentioned that he wanted to get things done early, and I got the impression you didn't think that that was likely to be the case, and, and nor did he. But uh, do you think there's any chance that we've got something lined up ready to go pretty quickly? Uh, in all honesty, I, I don't. I mean, I know that he's got several players in mind, but whether he's going to be able to get them over the line on the on the 1st of January, I, I suspect that that's not, simply not going to happen. I mean, that, that's partly because clubs don't want to let players go unless they know they've got somebody else lined up to replace him. And these things generally take two or three weeks into the season. And as we've seen so often in the past, it's all left to the last uh, day or two of the transfer window. Yeah, we could do without it, couldn't we? <laughs> but it always is. Well, yeah, and for that reason, I know that Tony Pulis does not want to go down that route. You know, we need players, and we've got a lot of games in January, and, and they're really important games as well. And he would rather see players come in as soon as possible. But of course, you know, if you want to get players now, then you're probably going to have to pay top dollar. There might be a bit of negotiation when it comes to the last day or two of the transfer window, but are you prepared to wait until the end of January? And that's always the risk. Yeah, it's a huge risk. Thank you very much for joining us, Jerry. Pleasure. Cheers, thank you. Hope to speak to you again soon. Looking ahead to the to the window, Chris, because to mm. me, our squad, I actually believe, is stronger than most people give off what do you think our, our weakest position is I think if you look at it you've always got the left back debate is Moxie and Parr good enough I personally believe Dean Moxie's an outstanding left back and can play regularly at this level Tony Pulis obviously doesn't believe so do you agree with Tony or are you on my side I, oh, um, it's difficult really I, I kind of vary from week to week I always, when I'm thinking about where our weak spot is, I suppose I always look at where do we talk, what do we talk about the most on on our show. Um, we we talk about Dean Moxie at left back. Uh, we talk about the centre backs when they have bad games, obviously. And I think we have quite a lot of focus on on the position that KG usually fills. Um, although the general belief is that we have people in the squad who can who can come into that position, and we don't really need to look there. But um, I'll go a little bit left field. First of all, I will say that Moxie has surprised me this year, um, and and I'm perfectly happy relying on him as a left back. But I have a genuine belief that we will look to get someone in in that position. Um, and I think if you look at where, to be brutally honest, if you look at where a lot of the danger comes from, it is down that side when teams play against us. We, we look very solid through the middle, very organised through the middle, uh, but the flanks, you know, Joel Ward when he plays right back has it sewn up. He's a superb player and. You know, in a way that probably doesn't help Moxie because uh, he has to work really, really hard to to give the equivalent performance, if you like. But um, you know, if I was actually to pick a weak spot, um, I do think we've been poor in terms of delivering crosses into the box, and, th- and that has to come from from the wide players. And that's not saying the likes of Balassi, Punchin, um, Williams when he plays out there, Bannon when he plays out there, Jimmy Kebe even who's not had much of a, a look in. Um, but none of them, I, I would say, have regularly delivered good quality because you see the times times when they do, we're scoring goals. Um, but yeah, that that's yeah. So if my my gut feeling is we need better quality from out wide. A few people on the social networks saying maybe we could do with another centre half. I personally 
don't believe that Tony Pulis will want to be changing too much centrally, looking at the momentum that, that Delaney and Gabadon have, have created since Milan's taken over and the mm. solidity and the stillness. But they're, they're older guys, but they're experienced heads. Maybe if we were to look to bring a younger centre-half in that we can bed in later on towards the season um, and look towards, look towards the future. It's a good shout. I don't know if it's turn it back on you. Do, do, do you rate Gabadon? Uh, I don't believe his technical ability is as good as what we could have, but I believe his experience is far greater than anybody else's in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. But he is he is so vital, and he's sometimes he's v- vastly too calm on the ball, but at the mm-hmm. same time that that can be helpful a lot of the time. Yeah, I think I mean you basically touched on the, the points that I kind of struggle with. I, I'm, I didn't. It wasn't a loaded question. I wasn't going to say, "Well, I don't rate him," or "Well, I do rate him," depending on what you said. What I was, what I was getting at is, I think that if we're looking at the centre backs, I have a cause for concern with Gavadon for for a couple of reasons. Uh, he's, he's he kept fit for quite some time, but he's got a bad injury record uh, over the last few years. Um, which, you know, for me, I'm, I'm always nervous uh, when you've got a regular centre-back partnership. I'm nervous of it being broken. Um, and I think it could be an enforced break at some point. Um, I, I think, obviously, he lacks a little bit of height. Um, like you say, his experience counts for an awful lot and, and his positioning is excellent at times. But for me, I, I've got a lot more confidence in Delaney in the way Delaney defends than I have Danny Gabadon. And that's not to say I don't rate Gavidon because I think he's done a terrific job and they've got a great partnership. But um, I can see the sense in looking looking around and seeing if we can get someone someone new in and someone for me it's someone with a bit of pace. We need you know a big unit who's got some pace. And I, I think we're probably looking abroad for something like that. And what about Mariapa though? Does he not have that? Um, again, I, I would say the trouble is with, with Mariapa is that it's physical size, and I, and I think Mariapa's probably one that. He, he was the best available in the time frame that we had, um, and he's not—he's not by any stretch of the imagination a poor player. But if we—if we're looking at to go out there and get some people in in positions that are going to make a real difference, and you know, a solid pacey centre back, you know, with a bit with a bit more height, a bit more aerial dominance, but you know, it, it's not easy to find. But you know, like I said, I think we—I think we, that's where we're looking. I think we're looking in France for someone like that. That's my gut feeling. Obviously, this season we haven't created an awful lot of chances. That's been changing over weeks. But do you think that's down to our midfield, our tactics, our formation? Or do you think that's actually down to strikers themselves that we have on the edge of the box not having a go enough? Mm, um, There's a point to be made about the fact that we don't shoot enough. Um, We're not terrible at that. We don't don't miss too many chances and... I think obviously Jerome's not clinical. Um, that, that's that's there for us all to see. And if you look at his record over the last few years, he proves he's not a clinical player. Um, so we're missing out there. But I don't know. Chance creation, I've never really thought as a huge problem. I just think we don't seem to notice when the chance is there. Um, I think Bannon gives an awful lot uh, in in terms of creativity. But um, but if you look at our midfield, our midfield's based around being a solid unit in front of the defence. You know, that's where our focus is, and, r- and rightly so. And we're relying on the two wide players and the guy just been in behind the striker and the striker to do all of that all of that attacking work. So, in, in that sense, we're never going to create huge numbers of chances unless we change the system. And the only way we can change that system is if we add quality in every position. Um, 
you know, there's probably a handful of of players that you can say are, are you know, a sort of mid mid table to upper table quality. You know, the likes of Jednak and Ward, um, and perhaps a, an on fire Johnny Williams. And then you start to be if you're being completely brutally honest about it. You know, we don't have the quality to start playing through midfield and and all that sort of stuff. If that makes sense. Yeah. So you don't think it's personally down to down to one person but actually as a side as a whole that's down to us create not creating enough yeah i mean in, in your question you, you mentioned is it tactics so i suppose the quick answer would have been yeah it's tactics yeah. it's we're set up that way i don't know if you see it any differently yourself uh not not particularly but i just think if we were playing like we were last season with a bit more expression uh, in Yannick Bellassi out wide and obviously we we don't have a Wilfred Zaha on the other side and we don't have a Glenn Murray but I, I, it is. It's the way we've set up now, isn't it? We've we set up to set up to shut up shop early doors and and get yeah. and make sure um, we don't lose. I think um, not losing is the priority, and and, yeah. and that's just the way we're setting up because we yeah. need to stay in this division, and unfortunately we're going to have to grind it out. Yeah, well, exactly. And, and this transfer window is not going to be a chance for us to address that, and you know, to get another ten, eleven, eleven players yeah. going to take us up to that next level. Okay. Certainly not going to change overnight. We're joined on the phone by South London Press journalist Rich Crawley. Good evening, Rich. Hi, how you doing? Okay. Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Just talk about the transfer window and, and Tony Pulis's view on things. What sort of player or what sort of position do you think he will be looking at himself? Well, I think there's a few different areas that, he, that he's definitely going to be looking at that we can say pretty much without doubt that um, are areas that are going to be addressed. I think um, the centre of the defence is obviously one issue. Um, Paddy McCarthy, I think, will be, by the time the next 25-man squad's announced, I think, obviously, he, he won't be in it because uh, he's still not really back or anywhere near to it, really. So I think, in hindsight, that was perhaps a, a spot that, could have been used a hell of a lot better um, and equally the striking department's the other area as well um, Kevin Phillips obviously going um, next month um, to, to get some football and the indications are that Glenn Murray's not going to be fit until um, sort of February time now not not January so yet again there's got to be a little bit of a question mark as to whether or not um, you include him in the 25 man squad I mean Palace might but even if they do, I think they'll probably want to, to maybe give themselves another option there. So there, there are a couple of areas straight away that I think they'll be looking to address. And, and then you, I think, can throw in a few other positions as well. I mean, it's difficult to pinpoint exact other positions away from that, but I certainly think centre-back and striker are two key areas that they will look to do something in. Being a um, Fulham fan, Rich, by day, you're down in yeah. the battle with us. What sort of yeah. money do you think Tony Pulis is going to get given, or what sort of money do you think he will need to keep us in this division? That's a difficult one to answer. I mean, I think um, it's a, it is such a difficult position that a club finds themselves in. When you're kind of in the position that Palace are in, or even Fulham are in for that matter, um, you've got to be mindful of the fact that there could be relegation at the end of it. I mean, Palace have generally been pretty cautious with their spending so far, um, I think that's probably going to continue, but I do expect them to. I do. I do think that they'll spend some serious money. I'm not quite sure how much that will break down as. I mean, certainly Peter Crouch and Matt Edmonton were mentioned um, uh, elsewhere in, in a, on the paper's website today. I've heard both their names mentioned to me. Um, 
obviously Peter Crouch is going to come with pretty sizable wages if that was something that did actually happen. So I think they will. I think they will try and push the boat as much as they can, but obviously being mindful of the fact that at the end of it all, if you do go down, it does put a little bit of a strain on things. So it's di- it's difficult to say exactly how much I think they spend, but I do think that you don't bring in someone like Ian Moody to sort of pinpoint signings without knowing that you're going to invest, you're going to try and have a bit more of a clearer plan because I think the club will probably look back at the, the last transfer window and I think would admit themselves that after the leap from the playoffs, I think the transfer window at this level is, is so competitive. It's, it's very, very difficult, isn't it, to necessarily always get the players exactly as you want them um, as well because there is so much competition for, for, for their services. Um, hey, Rich, it's, it's Chris. Yeah, take, take your point on that. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned Crouch and Everington as um, as possibilities that have been rumoured that we, we've seen in the papers. Uh, is there anything else sort of being whispered about that you've picked up on? Well, I mean, it's, I, I, not really. I'll tell you the reason why, because I think that Tony Pulis himself has kind of said that he'll talk about players once they're signed. I think he's kind of tried to keep the, the lid on things. The club themselves, particularly, I think, since promotion, have been a little bit quieter in terms of keeping a lid on things as well, which kind of makes sense because if you're comparing... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Meeting with three or four other clubs for certain players. I mean, you you look at the groundwork that went in on Darren Bent and at the very last minute he doesn't come. I mean, I think probably in hindsight you'd look at that and say that wasn't a disaster. But mm. I, think because of, I think because of that, I think the club do um, try and keep a tighter lid on it. So the players that you kind of hear mentioned, quite often it's agent-driven. Now, in those situations, that's both good and bad. You know, you get agents that are very straight shooters that will say... Palace are after our player and they're telling the truth. Equally, of course, there are agents that will throw a team into the mix that aren't necessarily there. So uh, it's so difficult. I'd imagine the list is is really long because if you look at probably the players that Palace would have initially earmarked when they got promoted compared with the players you got, I think there would have been a, a big old difference on that because you can't have just a plan A, you've got to have a B, a C, a D and an E because there is just so much. I mean, I still think, um, but what I'm hearing, that the Wilfred Zaha possibly is still a target. Now, the yeah. only thing that makes that a difficulty, I think, for the club is that they have got two loans already here, obviously, with Punchin and with Jerome. Um, there may be his ways around that, I don't know, because um, my, my understanding is that Cameron Jerome's loan isn't one that Palace can necessarily break. So right. if, 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 if Wilf does come back, it would have to be as a loan signing, obviously, and you, you quite wonder how that breaks down. But, I mean, they're the kind of names that have been mentioned. They're Edmonton and Croucher too today that I'd, I'd heard mentioned before. Um, beyond that, 
it seems as though it's being kept fairly insular within the club, which is probably the right thing to do. You know, I think that, that obviously Ian Moody's compiling players that he knows. I mean, I spoke to Ian um, a, a little while back before the um, before the Cardiff game, and he was kind of talking about his knowledge, particularly of the French markets. I suppose that probably links through to, to, to a fair few players over there that he, he was kind of saying socially... Uh, and, and the kind of integration is a lot easier. So I, I, I wonder whether that's an area that the club will really look to try and explore and, and maybe get decent value for money. Mm. Now it's, it's interesting to, to hear you say that the um, sort of the approach the club are taking to, to transfer targets has changed quite so much because obviously there's been a lot of changes. You mentioned Ian Moody there um, as, as something that's coming into the structure. Um, I mean, is it you know how, is it, it's noticeably different? I take it uh, dealing with Palace now in, in that sense. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously, I mean, I was talking to, to Steve Parrish a little bit earlier today, and um, he, he wasn't really saying too much about particular targets they were looking at, but he was saying that obviously, in the last transfer window, it was it was all going through Steve. I mean, it's a really exhaustive process, isn't it? If you've you've just got the club promoted and you're kind of dealing with everything else that goes on around the club as well, such as. Uh, you know, getting the stadium ready for the Premier League, you're dealing with trying to get players in. It's it's a hell of a strain. And obviously now there is... I mean, I I still get the impression, I I don't think there's any doubt that Tony Pulis will have the final say. I think that Ian Moody's position is that he's kind of supplying a bit of expertise, a little bit of knowledge. And from there, of course, Tony Pulis will then make the decision. I'm sure it will still come down to what he feels is a good investment for Palace. But... It has changed a bit. I think the club, since promotion, it's, it's not it's not quite as transparent in terms of what they're trying to do, and that's largely based on the fact that the competition is so big for any player. And I suppose if it, if if they start talking freely about it, then you know it alerts another club that they're close to getting things done. Mm, definitely, Rich, from a neutral position now, not your Fulham hat on. Do you think yeah. Palace have got what it takes to stay up? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, I think I think if you look at Fulham and you look at uh, you look at Palace, uh, I think that, that as a contrast, um, I don't think Fulham are necessarily equipped for what lies ahead. I think Martin Yoles, when he was the manager, moved away from the staple diet of what made Fulham successful, which was the sort of Roy Hodgson, very well-drilled um, players that played at a high tempo, that worked hard very much what Tony Pulis wants at Palace and what he's brought in at Palace and maybe was there with a little bit with Keith Mellon before that. I think when you look at it, I think Palace are absolutely equipped for it. I mean, the only blip really that there's been so far was, was the Newcastle home game since, since Tony's been at the club. I think that the players look like they've bought into it, working extremely hard. And, I mean, I'll put in a match report for tomorrow's paper. You know, if you'd said to... Palace fans after the Fulham game when I think there's three points on the board you're kind of wondering what is the rest of the season going to hold in store to, to now end the year being out of the relegation zone albeit only on goal difference but to be in that position I think any fan would have taken that at the start of the mm. season to be in this position where as well going into the window all of a sudden you're a club that I think people will look at players will look at and think this is a club I want to join you know I mean it wouldn't have been the same if you were seven, eight points adrift, but you're not. You're smack bang in it. You've got a manager, I think, that knows exactly how to how to get the best out of players. I'm pretty sure now he's got a very, very clear idea on who he thinks is with him long term, who he thinks isn't. 
And I think he's used the squad quite candidly. You know, there was a lot of talk about certain players not really fitting the Tony Pulis mould of being these sort of big bruising players. But if you look at some of the lads that he's used, he's, he's not necessarily gone down that route, has he? So I think, I think you're in a really good place. And obviously the supporters... I mean, uh, I know it's been said by the players a lot, and it sounds like a broken record, but the support, uh, particularly away, but also at home, is, I think just gives an extra edge. Because I think in the Premier League, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the atmosphere has gone out of it. You go to Man City, yeah. it's very, very quiet there. You go to Chelsea, it's definitely quiet there. These clubs, they kind of get used to being at that level, and they lose a little bit of the edge, a little bit of the atmosphere that can maybe turn and help you and help the players and. Palace have still got that, so I, I, I think I think they're firmly, firmly uh, in in good shape to to stay up. We're converting you. Thank you very much, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> no problems. Cheers. Thank Cheers. you. Looking back, Chris, on what on what Tony Pulis has done over the last two years in the transfer window. Mm. In the 2011-12 season, he spent 21 million pounds, and the 2012 to 13, he spent 17 and a half million pounds. There surely is no way in hell that we are thinking about any of those fees. He spent £10 million on Crouch, £8 million on Plasios. He bought in Upson and Woodgate, free transfers, but still you're looking at thirty grand each at that time, weekly wage. There's, there's no way in hell that he's going to get that in Palace, surely, is there? Um, I was reading some quite interesting comments from Pulis today. Um, I forget where, so I can't give him the proper credit. But um, he was talking about his, his record in the transfer market and um, he, he was talking about two different ways of operating and one was signing him uh, signing experienced players that their value is in keeping you in the Premier League um, and the other was that uh, in signing young players that he can improve and add value to um, so I mean the, the second one of those is more what we're used to at Palace um, and more what has worked for us in the past in getting, getting in good young players developing them um, and you know, unfortunately, having to sell them on at a later date. Um, I don't think you've got to remember. There's, there's a we, we we all get very nervous when we talk about spending large sums of money, and obviously the club don't want to spend money unnecessarily. But it's worth pointing out where we are as a football club in terms of of how financially well off we are. There are the parachute payments that, that give you a little bit of leeway um, if you don't sign players on long-term deals um, effectively they pay for themselves in the Premier League for that for that one season and the parachute payments afterwards you you know you can take a calculated risk so I don't want to sit here and say I don't think that, that Pudis is going to get large sums of money to spend I think the bigger battle for him is in convincing people who are worth those sums of money that Palace is the right club to come to uh, we struggled with that pre-season um, and and you know, in that first window, and, and that's ultimately what I think cost um, Ian Holloway his job because he had to go out and get, you know, multiple players for smaller sums of money, which disrupted a lot of the, um, you know, a lot of the, the, the team spirit. Uh, I do want to quickly mention. I noticed a, um, a Facebook message come in from Paul Kensley, and he was talking about that that loss of spirit and, and whether or not we'd be seeing that again. And I think that's kind of relevant to this discussion. I don't think, I don't think Pulis is going to get twenty one million quid to go and spend on on five players. But by the same token, I don't think we're going to try and do things on the cheap. Mm. 
Well, I, it, it was just a surprise to me that it was actually that much money. I always knew that he spent a lot, but never in sort of in sort of that caliber. Looking at, you can't really look at trends too much, but looking at those those two transfer windows, Tony Pulis bought six midfielders in just over two years. Yeah. Obviously, it's based on on his team and what he had then, and that's different to what we've got now. But maybe that's somewhere he's actually looking to to make stronger because if you think about it we've actually got a lot of midfielders and he's still choosing Joe Ward in a midfield position whether mm. that's because he believes he's a midfielder or he believes that actually I don't trust enough of these midfielders to play in that position where I think Joe can do it's a tough one I think we both know that O'Keefe probably would, would have played there had he been fit mm. um, whether that would be the case now after he's now seen Ward play in that position I think you've got to be careful because Pulis, by his own admission, has not seen most of our fringe players in game situations. Uh, I don't think he would have um, known anything about O'Keefe, really, before he joined Palace. And he can't fail to have been impressed with him. And obviously it's unfortunate that Stuart got injured. Um, and, I, and I think that he's probably looked at what Joel Ward's done at right back and thought he can transfer those skills into midfield. Probably knows a bit about Joel Ward in terms of the fact he's played all over the pitch for Portsmouth and all that sort of stuff. But... Uh, realistically, I, I, I think, it, you know, the, the seasons you've picked out that, where he spent money, he, he'd been at Stoke for some time and knew what he wanted. I don't think you're going to get that level of certainty from him um, with, the, with the players he's got at Palace. I think it'll be probably two or three, uh, probably quite expensive signings. But as he said, I don't. I think we're looking at. You, you mentioned the fact that there's high high wages and high transfer fees there. Um, I don't think we're going to avoid that. Um, and Pulis' argument, again, if you look at his transfer record, he doesn't bring an awful lot of money in. He brings some money in, in terms of resale value and stuff like that, but he's quite, you know, he's one of those who sign in experienced players, and his view is that you get your money back from from staying in the Premier League, and I think that's the right approach to take, and I don't think it's that big a risk for us at this point in time. We're not going to get the opinion of Palace fans, we're joined by season ticket holder Craig Parkinson. Hello, mate. How are you? Very well, thank you. Good. In your opinion, Wilfred Zaha has, has been a player that's been tipped to, to come back to us, back to stardom at Palace. Firstly, would you have him back? And secondly, is Wilfred Zaha a player that, that would join us? Well, you'd have him back in a heartbeat. Um, he was by far and away our best player last year, and when he made us tick... Uh, would he come back is the big thing the rumours are that he doesn't want to um, doesn't really want to fight a relegation battle I don't know but I wouldn't want to if I was him he's left the past his new he will completely transform our season he can, he's one of those players I think him and Balassi crossing the wings and swapping over the flanks well, they decimate a lot of the lower Premier League teams anyway but I just can't see him coming back and looking upon this, this transfer window, is there any names in particular that you would like us to sign in any particular positions? Um, well, it's the first time we've had a Premier, Premier League manager come in who's experienced and actually would know what to do, I think. Um, it's completely different if Holloway was here. What, what would we do? I think, well, we'd probably be linked with every Stoke player known to man. Um, Peter Crouch is rumoured Matty Everington we, with Ward playing so well defensive mid is that a place we'd need to consider probably not I'd say defence 
but since Pudis has come in, they seem to have well, done defended very well. Left back probably, um, and if Glenn Murray's not back in January, I suppose we have got to think about another striker. And I don't think our wing, Bob Bannon and Balassi, I really don't think our wingers are up to much scratch. So I think probably another winger or two mm. to see us through. You alluded to, to Dean Moxie and Johnny Parr there and a left mm. back. Do you really think that Moxie's not good enough or Parr's not good enough? Or, I, or do you actually think Pulis is in the right? I think Moxie's a good player. I think Parr's a better defender. But I do, I do, I like them both. I think Parr's played very well since he's come in. I've always liked Moxie. There are times when he um, drifts off, goes to sleep a little bit, but he, he was a lower league player and he's, he's really shot up the ranks probably quicker than he probably thought. Um, so I think giving him a, you know, a season in the Prem, he'll be far, he'll be much better than what he was. Parr, I really like, but then, I mean, you know, Pudis is his own man, isn't he? He'll want to bring in players that he knows and trusts. And but I think with the defence, the way they're playing, I don't see why we would change it. But I can understand. Obviously, we need replacements because I don't think that anyone on our bench is probably good enough to replace. Um, hi, Craig. It's Chris speaking. I just hi, Chris. Um, you mentioned Peter Crouch in there, and obviously he's one we've been linked with pretty much, you know, across the board since Pudis came in. Yeah. Um, I've been obviously reading the message boards and things like that and looking on Twitter, but it's a sort of a mixed opinion on, on Peter Crouch, which I find quite weird in a lot of ways. What would, what's your opinion on, on, you know, would you be happy to see him sign for us? Well, I think you would do. He's a Pulis type player. Um, and with the way we're playing at the moment with one target man up front and sort of player just behind him, he'd, he'd fit into that system quite well. Um, he, he holds the ball up very well. I don't know whether or not he'd score the amount of goals that he used to. But, I mean, to be honest, I mean, he's got his experience in the Premier League. You can't say fairer than that. The only thing I'm obviously concerned is that he's obviously going to be on a massive wage and it's not something I would like us to go back to him playing, paying very high wages. Um, but I, no. I can't see... I think if we... If, I wouldn't be opposed to signing him. Um, I think he's obviously got no pace. Cameron Jerome has done really well, I think, since he's come in. And, you know, he runs the line really well quick, you can hold the ball up. Crouch will hold the ball up, he'll probably get you a few more headed goals maybe, but he's just got no pace about him. And as soon as the ball goes up, you know you're not going to get, I don't think, much of a work weight from him, but I mm. could be wrong. That's a very interesting point, not something we've talked about, that you, you do lose Jerome's pace, um, although Jerome, you know, like you said, don't really carry a huge goal for it. No, it's a very, very interesting point. Um, just sort of take you away from looking at people coming in. Uh, if you had to pick a player or, you know, or number of players to, to sort of get rid of who would you pick Christ there's a whole load of them just before I come on <laughs> I was looking at um, I was looking at our squad um, right who would I get rid of well they've got I mean to be honest there's probably quite a few players that came in over the summer that you'd say actually do we actually need them mm. um, Grandin there's no point yeah. in him being here he might as well go yeah um, <laughs> it, people obviously I mean since that Fulham game Campania really hasn't had a look in would he, we wouldn't. I wouldn't want to sell him because there's obviously something about him that he's very good at. But maybe he might go out on loan. Yeah, for sure. Same with O'Keefe. I mean, I'd love O'Keefe to start. I think whenever, whenever I've seen O'Keefe play, I think he's done fantastic. I really rate him, but he just never starts. So there's got to be a reason behind that. Um, who else? Jack Hunt. I suppose he's injured, so he's not going to go anywhere. No one's going to sign him. I think we'll probably get rid of one of our keepers, be it Alexander or Price, which is yeah. well. 
hopefully Alexander will not really see much of him. I've always rated Price. I think he's done very well. Um, Phillips is virtually gone, isn't he? He said he's going yeah. in January. I can't see Garvin staying. Dobby, he's off. I mean, we've still got Wilbraham on the books. I don't know why. So he's probably, mind you, he's probably a poolist player. So yeah, um, keep hold of him. It's an interesting point, though. Obviously, people like Wilbraham, they can play in the month of January. Those outside the twenty-five. So maybe, yeah, yeah maybe like you say, Pulis will give Aaron Wilbraham a go. Yeah. Um, I don't know, just there's a lot of players on there that will never play for Palace again. I, I mean, Darcy Blake. Yeah. He probably will never play for Palace. So you might as well get rid of him. I mean, I love Rambo. I think he was one of my favourite players last year. I'd like him back in the squad. I mean, he's, he's meant to be... I mean, the mentor will love him there, but is he good enough? He's probably good enough for a squad place, but he won't get in the starting eleven, will he? Yeah, that's right. Um, I think, obviously, I don't think we can recall him from Barnsley anyway. I did ask him not too long ago. Oh, he right. said he's uh, he said he's there for the season, which is yeah. So kind of uh, sort of kind of rules that one out, but yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I agree with most of Yeah. And uh, Craig, can we stay in the division? Oh, absolutely. The way we've been playing at the moment, um, I don't see why not. This is our best chance we've had in a long time. I mean, not many people would have said after Man City we'd be in the well, in basically going into New Year that we'd be outside the bottom three after the start we had. So you can only. I think that's a positive and uh, move on. Thank Norwich, you very much. That would be a big, a big help. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us, Craig. No problems. Take Cheers, care. Cheers, thank you. Bye. Bye. Just going on to the actual window now itself. For you, Chris, for me personally, I'd, I'd obviously love us to bring in Zaha. And I really wouldn't want somebody like Crouch just based on wage and, and everything that I think Crystal Palace is about and about youth and, and, and young players expressing themselves. And maybe that's not right for a Premier League, but I think I think we just have to carry on that ethos. Are there any particular players that stand out for you? Maybe a Jordan Rhodes type player. Scott Dan, I know, was rumoured today, a centre-half. <laughs> Any players that stand out for you? Yeah, I hadn't seen the Scott Dan rumours, but um, he's he's the type of player that I would be be positive about us getting in. Uh, Jordan Rhodes, uh, out and out goal scorer, but in terms of build and and the way he operates, you know, if we're going to spend six million quid on Dwight Gale, it just seems odd to then go unless you know unless we do a bit of a swap there, let Gale go to them on loan and and get Jordan Rhodes in. But uh, money, he's on forty grand a week at Blackburn. You know, he's going up a division, he'll want more money um, and transfer fee is going to be huge. I think we missed our opportunity for him some time ago um, through the fact that we didn't really have the money to go and get him for the million quid that we were quoted. Um, I don't know, it's a really tough one, mate. I, I've been looking around at what sort of players that we, we've been looking at trying to pick up on a few of the usual in the nose uh, on the forums. And One of the guys on the BBS, Clapham Grand, that's Chris Waters. Um, he, he's usually a reliable chap. And uh, he revealed today that he's had we're um, we've been scouting Connor Connor Wickham. That's an um, interesting one. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he is the sort of player that I, I can I can see being a success at Palace. He's really really struggled as a as a Sunderland player. Mm, hasn't but, really um, got that chance, has he? That, no, that no. maybe a side like we would give him. But I mean, they they offered stupid money for him um, that the Ipswich couldn't turn down and. You know, he did the, the usual thing, saw the bright lights of the Premier League, thought, got to get in there as quickly as possible. And it doesn't always work for you when you do that. Um, you, you Sometimes you, you've got to just give it give it that extra season. Like I say, Ipswich thought, you know, we'll take the money now for the player that he is. And it, it, was, a, it was big money. I think it was £7 million plus add-ons and all that sort of stuff. And 
He's looking. He's looking a lot more like his old self at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, you know, starting to get a, get a few goals there, and is leading the line well. Uh, if he impresses, I, I I think he could do a really good job, and I think that sort of a signing inspires people much more than than, than a Peter Crouch type signing because you know he's got a future as well as um, something to offer now. But I, I don't know. I I go back to what we were trying to do in that window. We were trying to get Bentner in. Now I'm not saying we go back in for Bentner, although I do I do think do think he'd done he'd have done all right with us. Um, but I I just. I, I think we do. I'm going to end up talking like gel because I, this is where I really do agree with him. Where, where he goes on his little rants about about strikers. I think you talk about you, you pay money and you pay wages for strikers. They're, they're the biggest earning players and the, high, the you know the hardest people to get. People who put the ball in the net and that for me, that will keep. That's what's going to keep us up. We're not going to score loads of goals and there's not going to be loads of chances. But when we get chances, we've got to put them in. And if you're being critical, when you look at the way we played against City, you look how long it took to get that goal against Villa, you look at various other games this season where we think, oh, we've done really, really well. And, and you know, you and me were talking about it in the, in the last show where how often do you, can you say you've done well, but only if only we converted that chance. So for me, we've got to look up, we've got to look at a striker and... Well, I'm inspired to a point about someone like Connor Wickham. I want someone proven, and that—that that is the hard one. And the only one that we've been linked with that I think comes in that category is um, as Gomis or Gomi. I don't know how you pronounce it. In um, yeah, over there, he's playing for the Leon, isn't he? Yeah, um, yeah he's over at Leon. Uh, you know, there's talk of him being targeted by Spurs and West Ham as well, but that's exactly the sort of player I'm talking about. Someone with a bit of pedigree, played for France at international level, got goals, good leads the line well, just got class about him. And you know, okay, I haven't seen a huge amount of him, and not many of our fans would have done. But, but you know, you you got to be half decent to play for France. And, and when I have seen him, he's looked like an absolute beast. And that's what I'd like. That's the sort of player I want. He's always come so close to joining the Premier League, and then I mean, Arsenal and Spurs. He's been to it with the Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I wonder why that's actually never, never flourished and happened. But that would really set out, wouldn't it? And say, you know what? We're giving this a real go, and really put people around us shaking in their boots. West Ham would be going right. We can't sign a striker. We can't get one for God. And then Palace go and sign Gomez, and then oh. they'll be absolutely shaking. I tell you. Overall, I think Tony Pulis is going to go and sign three players because I don't think he wants to change too much because he knows we did that in the summer and nearly had us relegated before Christmas uh, and and I don't think he wants to hit that spirit and I think he's aware of that and I don't think he wants to disturb things how many players do you think he's actually going to he's actually going to sign because there's some people saying he's going to go and do a lot some people say he's not going to do anything at all they're keeping things so close to their chest we, we can't really be too sure but mm. from from your opinion what do you I, think I think is entirely dependent on who we get, who we move out, um, and I don't think it's got anything really to do with the, the finances of moving players out. It's all to do with space in the squad and not not having people there, not playing games, because that I mean that that creates a bad atmosphere. It creates you know tension at the club, and that's that's the other side of things that we have to look after. Um, I think we can sensibly move out. I mean, we were talking earlier. It looks like Quasi Apias probably on the way out from his tweet earlier on today, uh, where he just mentioned the exciting week ahead and decisions to be made. You know, done really well at, at Cambridge. Maybe he's off back there. Maybe he's going to go somewhere, um, you know, somewhere a little bit higher up because he's, he's been excellent. So, you know, that's the sort of player that will be moving out. And you've got to think there'll be people after Garvin. You've got to think people might even come in for Wilbraham. We'll probably release a few if we can free up enough space. I think 
Pulis will go after whoever he can get. It it could be one, it could be two, it could be as many as five or six. I really do think that. And will that be enough to keep us in this division? Uh, <laughs> that's, the, that's the question anyway. I mean, what, do you, killer. Think? what do you think? I mean, I, I think that the, the trouble is, it's, it's all about momentum, isn't it? And we've got a bit of that at the moment, but... You know, run of poor results could only, could only be around the corner. I don't want to look be pessimistic about it, but that's what could happen. And sometimes it's hard to get back into a winning habit. We've you know we've not won a huge amount of games, but we've won. We're winning sort of you know every every now and then. It's good to keep that going and to keep the performance level up. But oh, it makes things. You know, whoever you bring in, if if all of a sudden the confidence goes, it doesn't matter how good people are really, if, if the confidence isn't there and they're not playing as a unit, not playing as a team, um, then, then you're, in, you're in real trouble. But I think all the signs are positive that Tony Pulis isn't the kind of manager who's going to let that happen and he knows what he wants. So um, I think, yeah, uh, three, three, three quality signings, I think the minimum is what we need. Um, you know, possibly you could argue if you want to be simplistic about it, one in each area of the pitch, one at the back somewhere, maybe even a keeper. That's a, that's a point of debate we keep getting to. Um, one in midfield and, and one up top. And just quality, that's what we're talking about now. We don't want to go and look at the championship for potential. That's not really what we're, what we're about right now. We've done that. We've got plenty of lads in our squad that got a bit of potential. And who's to say one of our lads from the academy um, might not step up and suddenly suddenly be the difference Kai Kai is getting a load of goals, absolutely lethal from a free kick. He can force his way into that squad, might get a little opportunity. Who knows, might not be talking about a transfer window anymore. We might have the answer right here. In a nutshell, we're staying up then, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> why not? <laughs> I like your positivity, Chris. There we are, the window opens just a couple of days, and Palace expected to be busy early, early on. For certain, it'll be very interesting to see who comes in and who goes out. 25-man squad selection will not be easy either. Make sure you tune into Hull Radio next Sunday, where we review Norwich and West Brom. For all the transfer gospel and speculation, visit homesdown.net. Thank you to Chris and everyone else who joined me. Goodbye. Bye. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.